Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. After the first period at Rogers Place, the Rebels leading the Oil Kings 1-0. Here's what's going on in the NHL in the third. The Devils, they're going to win again, up 4-1 on the Canadians with four minutes left. Halfway through the third, Lightning leading the Stars 4-3. The Canucks trying to hang on against the Sabres. They lead 5-4 with a minute left. The Panthers lead the Capitals 4-2. That's also late in the third. 16 minutes left in Columbus. Blue Jackets up 4-2 on the Flyers. In the second period, Predators leading Minnesota 2-0. And the Maple Leafs get a 5-2 win over the Penguins. Tavares scored in that game his 400th career goal. Sidney Crosby had a marker as well, his seventh of the season. The Maple Leafs get the 5-2 win. Later, Detroit at Anaheim. And the Sharks will visit the Golden Knights. Tomorrow, Oilers and Kings, of course, it's on 6.30, Chad, 6 o'clock for the face-off show. And the puck will drop at 8. Stuart Skinner expected to start in goal for the Oilers. Kyler Yamamoto day-to-day -day, uh, with an undisclosed injury. Uh, Warren Fogle remaining in the top six where he finished the game on Saturday against the Florida Panthers. Grey Cup is coming up on uh, Sunday, so we're going to have some past Grey Cup champions uh, on the show throughout the week. Uh, Jed Roberts joined us last night, and I am pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports a gentleman who won the Grey Cup in 03, 05, 2012 and 2017. It is one of the all-time great quarterbacks from the CFL. Ricky Ray is checking in. Ricky, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's always a, a pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate that uh, you remain a 6:30 Ched regular even after <laughs> your, your playing days <laughs> ended. It's always uh, it's always fun to catch. I, I'll just start here quickly, and I won't go too far into it because we did an extended interview on it uh, in the last couple of years. But how's the uh, the distance running and, and all that stuff going for you? <laughs> it's it's going good. I uh, have a good little routine going and. Um, Hopefully I can get in a raid. I'm looking at Reading has a marathon here in January, so I'd like to do that someday, and uh, maybe, who knows, they'll be in a couple months. So we'll see if I can train for that and be ready for it. Okay, and that's pretty close to where you live, isn't it? Yeah, that's it, my hometown. Oh, yeah, that's where, where we are right now. Okay. Well, yeah. marathon in January in California, probably better than a marathon in Edmonton in January. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't have to have any ice spikes on to this one here. We're going to have decent weather and uh, good, good running temperatures for sure. Okay. Well, I, I, good for you for keeping that up because, uh, as, as I've shared with you, I, I've done – I've become a runner myself, though I don't—I haven't quite reached the distances you have. But I, I, I when I—I'm I, going through a bit of an injury right now, and I got to tell you, Ricky, like, it's like I'm not comparing myself to what you guys as professional athletes went through, but like, it sucks. Like, it sucks being limited, and I miss that physical activity and that routine of you know running a few times a week. Yeah, I mean, injuries are hard, and, and running is a, is a tough sport. Like, I've been experiencing that since I've been done playing. It's just really hard on the body and um, you definitely got to take care of yourself and, and be careful when you get into a running program. Yeah, for sure. It, like it, it makes you wish you were being crushed by 300 pound D lineman again, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sometimes, I mean, after a long run or something, I feel, feel worse after those than, than a football game sometimes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, well, thanks again for checking in. Uh, you know, I obviously introduced you as a four time uh, great cup champ. I, I'm curious for you, and I, and I was talking to Jed Roberts about this last night, that, that Grey Cup 
week. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard enough to get there, and then you got that one more game. Sometimes you might get to play it in your home city, but it's usually a, a neutral site game. Like, how did you spend Great Cup Week, and did you spend it differently later in your career? Like, you don't strike me as the, as a guy who would you know want to go out and be crazy, but maybe you might want to experience mm-hmm. the city a little bit. How how did you handle everything going on in Great Cup Week? Yeah, um, I handled it most mostly the same. I would think, um, you know, it's a different week. You try and and stay in your routine as much as you can, or at least prepare the same way you would uh, for any other game during the season. It's just the times are a little bit different because your practice schedule is, you know, morning, afternoon, and then you're, you know, you got different, you're in a hotel usually, so um, the film setup and all that stuff's different. But first of all, I just wanted to make sure I was getting in the same amount of film time and then maybe just a little bit extra because I kind of felt that, you know, it's going to be a crazy week for everybody, and if I just got a maybe just a little bit extra in, maybe that would give me an advantage over the, you know, the, the guy on the other side of the field and, but other than that, um, I tried to enjoy it as much as I could. Usually you have family in town, so um, you get a chance to, to see them a little bit, maybe go out and have dinner. Um, you know, I, I went to the Spirit of Edmonton a couple times, um, you know, just to take my family there and kind of show them, you know, what that was like. But no late nights for me, for sure. You know, I was I was back in the hotel and, and ready for bed and, um, ready for the next day of, of practice or whatever, but uh, definitely tried to experience a few things, you know, with my family in town and enjoy the week as much as I could. Yeah. Did you ever have, and I don't know how your coaches handled things over the years, but did you ever, or did players police themselves or you say, look, guys, like, or did you ever have to pull somebody aside and say, look, I, yeah, I heard you had fun last night, but I hope you know that. It's <laughs> got <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> No, I never had to. Um, coaches handled it a little bit different. Um, but, I mean, you were – I mean, I, I think my last year with, with Coach Trustman, we kind of had, you know, be in your rooms by a certain time, uh, be back at the hotel by a certain time. Maybe it was like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Um, so I think for the most part, most of the guys did that. I'm sure we had some guys that probably <laughs> – you know, bent those rules a little bit, but nothing that I that I had heard about. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You, you want to kind of enjoy it, but really, I mean, I think Pinball said at one time, "Would you rather you know party for a week or and lose the Grey Cup, or you know not party at all and and then win the Grey Cup and party for the rest of your life?" So um, I think everybody was pretty focused on on going there and uh you know taking care of business yeah it's it seems like that's the uh the prevailing wisdom you know you just got to work hard for one more week and then hopefully yeah. you're parting like a, a champion throughout most of the winter for sure ricky ray joining us tonight on inside sports i i'm always like i i find football such a fascinating sport as you know and and the preparation and the strategy and the play calling and all that kind of stuff for you as a quarterback where you got the entire playbook to worry about and you're, you're involved in the decision making for the strategy of the and the offense of all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff did you want new things in gray cup week like would you think okay like they've seen us do this all season long let's let's surprise them or were you more like let's just really get good at what we do well and that's what we want to execute on sunday yeah that's that's the hard thing with football is um you know you can you can game plan a lot of really good plays that look good on paper or look good on film, but if you can't execute them, you know, the chances of you 
completing it or or doing well on it aren't very good <laughs> and there's no point in calling that play even though it, it looks really good so it was definitely a, a balance of hey let's let's you know have all the stuff that we're good at but we definitely got to have a few different things um maybe show them a, a trick play or a different look or a different formation or you know even what they're doing defensively like do we have to put some different things in where our base stuff just doesn't look good against it some of their coverages so we have to put in some new kind of route combinations or whatever uh but the yeah, for the most part, it was trying to balance that with, um, you know, being who you are, but having a few different wrinkles. And, and that was kind of the, the game plans we had going in, into those games. Yeah, I, well, I like how you said about about trick plays. Like, it's one thing to draw it up, but you got to be able to have time to practice it and then execute it. And, like, some, I know sometimes fans will say to me, well, why don't, you know, the Elks had a tough year. Well, why don't they try, like, a trick play or do something really crazy? And I'm like, they're having enough trouble executing the plays they're practicing. Like, let's <laughs> Like, let's not yeah, think one, exactly. or two, one or two trick yeah. plays is going to change everything. Yeah, exactly. That's the hard thing. We we tried to run a, a flea flicker, I think, in 2017, and um, we just had too much pressure and, and didn't even – I think I had to just get rid of the ball. So uh, those are risky plays. I mean, you're trying to fool the defense, and, and sometimes they work and, and you get a big play, but other times uh, the defense is, is on top of it and, it, and they don't work. Yeah. Uh, Zach Kalaros, uh, obviously your career's overlapped. I, I've always liked him as a player. I remember even going back when I was, you know, early in my early days hosting this show in 2014 and 2015, I was always saying, like, he's going to win MOP someday. He's going to win MOP mm -hmm. someday. And then he always got hurt. And now later yeah. in his career, you know, he is winning awards and, and winning great cups. What makes Kalaros, you know, the, the guy who's sort of emerged as the premier quarterback in the league right now? Yeah, I mean, um, just getting to watch him play as a young player um, in 2013 when I got hurt, his second year, um, he came in and played, I, I forget how many games, it was a good chunk, maybe five or six games for us. And um, what impressed me about him was just, he was so um, just gritty. Like he, no matter how the game was going, whether we were behind trailing the whole game or, you know, he wasn't playing well or we weren't playing well offensively, he always found a way to kind of to make a play when it mattered, you know, in the fourth quarter, um, you know, he was able to, to make a few plays to kind of, you know, get some of those big wins we had um, with him and especially on the road. And I remember one play we we're in Montreal and the center snapped the ball early and it like bounced off of his chest and he was able to grab this ball and, and the D, D end was coming free at him and he made the D end miss and, you know, flipped it to one of the receivers and, you know, picked up a first down for us. And it was just plays like that where you look like it, it shouldn't, it should be a negative play or something. He's able to kind of extend the play or make something out of, out of nothing and, and get a big first down or, or even score a touchdown. And he's just got a knack for making those kind of plays. Yeah. I've, I've always enjoyed watching him and, I mean, that was so interesting for him in 2019, right? Because he got hurt first game of the year, got traded yeah. to a team he never plays for, Toronto. <laughs> and they, yeah. they trade him to Winnipeg, and he, he wins the Grey Cup. So he, he's had a lot of interesting stories along the way in his uh, his career as well. Um, I always try and get a story from you, from uh, one of your, your Grey Cups. I, I know we've talked about 05 before, but that, that was such yeah. an epic game. You know, and such a, a big moment for in team history. And the, the overtime game was so tense i know you like 
rarely got nervous or showed emotion. But like when you were in a championship game that's in overtime, like did the heartbeat not pick up a little bit or did you like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, it's different. Like um, I definitely got nervous a lot, um, you know, especially leading up to the game and and game days were hard. Um, Just kind of waiting around for the game to start. Um, Definitely had a lot of butterflies. But that kind of always kind of went away for me. Once once you got out there and on the field and you're kind of in, in the game, um, all those butterflies go away and you're just kind of in the moment. And uh, yeah, even even the overtime games. I mean, you're, you're you know even you know some of those games where we were, you know, in, in 2017 where, you know, we were down uh, by a score and then we got got the ball back and then we we tied it up and then we had that last drive to go down and and score some points to take the lead. You're just kind of in the moment and you're just executing plays and, um, you know, trying to be focused on, on what, what the play is called in the huddle. So um, didn't really feel a lot of those nerves in, in those moments. It was more kind of the pregame and, and leading up to it. Yeah. I, I always like hearing because like fans are so nervous. I remember asking Calvin McCarty, I don't know if you remember in 2015 when Edmonton won, yeah. uh, I think in the second half we faked a punt uh, and the snap went to McCarty, and I, I, he came back, and I'm talking to him at the airport. You know, the team's getting off, and I was like, man, that you must have been so nervous, like, running out on the field, like, knowing you call the fake punt. He's like, no, I, like, I, we have 20 seconds to execute the play. <laughs> like, I'm not thinking, I'm just like, oh, they're going to snap it to me, and I'm going to run. He wasn't yeah. thinking about, well, what if it fails? This is a big moment. He's just like, okay, I'm getting the ball, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, when, you're in the mo- when you're the one out there, um, you tend to not feel too many of the nerves, but yeah, when you're sitting on the sidelines or, you know, even in, in 2017 where, you know, they're driving the ball down the field, um, getting ready to put the game away and you're sitting on the sidelines, a lot of emotions are going through your head. And then we, we got that big fumble and returned it back for a touchdown. But yeah, when you're watching your defense or you're watching, you know, even the, the go-ahead field goal we kicked in 2017 you're kind of you know hoping it goes through and and hoping you didn't leave enough too much time on the clock because we let i think we left about 50 seconds on the clock and my mind was already thinking you know they're going to get another chance uh, to go down the field so your mind is racing a lot um while you're watching but uh, when you're out there playing um you're just kind of reacting and, and going through all the training that you've done the whole year of just being focused and executing that play okay I, i'll leave you with this ricky if it's it's optional but i'd be really happy if you did it do you have a prediction for the game and jed roberts <laughs> last night jed roberts last night picked toronto to win by two points 38 36 do you want to wade wow. into these waters Oh man, uh, um, I'm not that specific on a prediction, but um, as long as Zach is healthy, um, you know I think they're going to be a tough team to beat. Um, so I, I would pick Winnipeg if I was betting on the game, um, but I, I don't know what to score. I can't even throw a score out there, but yeah, I'd probably pick Winnipeg. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, 2017, we. We were the underdogs in that game. Same kind of situation Toronto's in this year, and anything can happen. But if I was a betting man, I'd probably go with my favorite. Okay. Well, Ricky, thanks again for checking in. It's always fun to have you on the show. I, I know fans still love uh, hearing from you and enjoy watching the game on Sunday. All the best with the uh, marathon or whatever future runs you're going to partake in, man. It's really <laughs> great to have you on the show again. Yeah, thanks for having me. I enjoy talking football, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been 
been fun watching these these games leading up to it, and hopefully I get a chance to watch the Grey Cup and and enjoy a great game. So thanks for having me. Right on. That is Ricky Ray checking in on Inside Sports. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Black ocean, cold and dark. I am the hungry shark. Fast okay, Ricky Ray was on the show. A lot of fun. So, uh, Jed yesterday took the Argos 38-36. Ricky wasn't going to take a score, but he says if Kalaros is healthy, Winnipeg's going to be uh, tough to beat. So, a couple of early week predictions for the Grey Cup. Our off-topic topic was the ugliest hockey jersey of all time. Byron sent me a message. The New York Islanders Captain Highliner jersey. That's an ugly one. That's a good That was just kind of a bizarre <laughs> choice. Yeah, not great. I, I don't know. Like, definitely, yeah, ugly and more just sort of surprising that they would they would go with that. Just like, really? It's just this guy? <laughs> uh, Byron also likes when the show includes pop culture references to Star Wars or Star Trek. <laughs> There we go. I don't know if we had any tonight. We'll try to we'll try to work some in in future shows. I have a feeling we will. What else do we have, Kellen, before we go? All right, before we go, uh, shout out to Unholy Goalie who sent us a uh, shot of his uh, ugliest jersey, which is from his rec team, Snake Arm Edmonton Rec. And it's uh, quite the interesting Yeah, it's look, kind of an angry-looking sure. snake. Okay. It's an angry snake, yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, going down the list, uh, Carol says the ugliest jersey belongs to the Hartford Whalers. Didn't specify which one, though, but... Interesting, because a lot of people like those Whalers jerseys, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Rob Brown might have an opinion, might not have an opinion on it. We don't know. We'll see. Uh, the worst jersey for uh, an unknown texter goes to the Bakersfield Condors as well when they had Michael Jackson night, apparently. Uh, the flow or glow was white. It must have been a glow-in-the-dark jersey. Oh, geez, I don't even remember that. Or something like that, but there okay. we go. And we'll close off with this one. Miles in St. Albert says, Remembers when Tiger Williams said this about the big V Vancouver sweater back in the day. We play like clowns, and so now we have to dress like clowns. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. The face-off show will be at 6 tomorrow night. The game just after 8. It's all on 630 Chet, Oilers and Kings. Thanks for listening to Inside Sports.